I wasn't really thinking and I was trying to uh, get to the Jets website and I just typed in Jets. Did you realize Jets.com is not owned by the Jets? It's NYJets.com. I know, but like, yeah. wouldn't you think like... Uh, it's Jets.com. Is it like planes? Yeah, it's like planes. Yeah. Well, I can kind of understand that. I could, but wouldn't you think that like an NFL franchise would be able to like buy the uh, rights to that? So the question is, do you think this is Jets. a... So it's it's a way to like rent a plane, right? So it's... It's a private charter flight. So the question is, is this a fake company that's just hoping that Woody Johnson will give them like a billion dollars for their domain name? That's my guess. Probably. I'll, I'll request a quote. We can go fly somewhere together. Okay. Uh, now that I think know. about it, there's probably a lot of teams that are like that just because their nicknames are so common. Do the Giants own Giants.com? I'm sure they do. Yeah. I there's don't know. more oh, than I one Giants professional I'm on my work computer and it's blocked. You think, so yeah. you think the minute... You think the Minnesota Twins own twins.com or is it like a site where people can find like their long lost twin sibling? So giants.com is the New York Giants. <laughs> twins.com is just you should go to twins.com. It, it looks like a, a like a web address from 1984, which is before the internet. <laughs> it's just clearly someone hoping that the, the baseball team will buy it. Is it literally you should go, I'm on you should it right really now. Look at this. this is amazing. It says it's <laughs> Durland and Darvin Miller. You can reach them at twin. It's twins at twins.com. They've had this, I bet, for like 30 years. And just come on, they're just gonna they're gonna buy it eventually. D and D. Uh, this is great. Uh, this is terrible podcasting. But you can report abuse on the bottom. I'm all right. Going to. Uh, all right, <laughs> let's hit the music. Welcome to another edition of the Born in 87 podcast. Uh, that was a really long, cold open. Uh, I think, I don't know. Do, did we overdo it this time, Adam? Last time we did a cold open with Travis, but it was like 45 seconds. And this, I think we overdid it. Oh, well it happens. (laughs) I had fun. It was, it was a good time. Right. I think it's all worth it for the end where we found out that twins.com is a one page website where you can email them at twins at twins.com. I'm going to eat. We should make a, like a, a Gmail address, like Minnesota twins, like four or five and tell them we want to buy it for like $80 million. <laughs> see what they respond. Is that catfishing? Are we going to be catfish? If you're catfishing, are you the catfish or the fisherman? You're probably the fisherman. Well, right. Well, the you're only the thing, fisherman. the thing is though, is that the guys that own this, wouldn't they expect the, so, an employee of the Minnesota Twins to have a Twins domain name and not a, maybe not though because if Justin, the Minnesota do you, Twins do you remember what that website yet. looked like? I don't think these people know what they're doing. I'm going to do it. <laughs> All right, what are we doing today? <laughs> All right, what are we doing today? We're, we're talking Knicks and Jets today. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh we're talking Knicks and Jets today. Uh, the Knicks, they finished the first half of the season. We're going to do Knicks first. They finished the first half of the season, 19 and 18, currently in fifth place in the East, far exceeding all of our expectations. Uh, far exceeding, I think, anyone's expectations, except for Tom Thibodeau, who probably expected them to win the title this year. Probably. But uh, before we go any further, um, we've got Tom Leninger back on the podcast. Tom was our first ever Very first guest ever. On, on the Born in 87 podcast. He's back. Uh and that means um, he's got to go into the Knicks tortured fan corner because uh, 
he hasn't been in the Knicks torture. He was in the Jets tortured fan corner. He has not been in the Knicks one. So, uh, Tom, before we uh, get into the current state of the Knicks, what is the tortured Knicks memory that you want to share with the world today? So I will preface this by saying I've been to dozens, dozens of Knicks games, um, staying home for college. That was kind of something that I did. I was really um, a big fan of the team during the dark years, Larry Brown years, the Isaiah Thomas years. Once what do you went, describe as the dark times? Is that like everything from 2002 till like a couple of weeks ago or there's pretty much. more specific? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were really bad. It was all about like going into the garden and seeing how close we can get to the court, even though we had a $10 ticket, that type of deal. So I, I've seen some some really, really awful basketball. And, um, you know, my tortured moment, although it wasn't very big in terms of their, um, in terms of them winning anything or, or even contending for a title, but it was in 2011 when we took our trip up to Boston oh, to go to good. game one of that Eastern Conference uh, playoff series at TD Bank Garden. And it was a close game the whole way through. Knicks were actually overperforming. I believe they were the sixth seed that year, and Boston was the three. And, you know, with a lead in, in the fourth quarter, we had just gotten Carmelo Anthony and Chauncey Billups. Everything just came crumbling, came crumbling down. Of course, they allow Ray Allen to hit a three often a legal pick. Yep. How many times did he do that in his career? Like let anybody take a three except for Ray Allen. Right. And I believe Justin, you'll hear better than me, but I think, I think Chauncey Billups got hurt in the fourth quarter too. He did. Um, right. If I remember correctly, uh, Garnett, I, I think Garnett had a dirty foul. I don't know if it was a dirty foul, but it was certainly a hard foul on Billups, which, uh, t- you know, took him out. I mean, that was the last we ever, he was only with the Knicks that half a season. So, right. uh, Right. That was the last we ever saw Billups in a Knicks jersey. And they lose the game by a couple points, and that was game one. And that that team wasn't going to win a championship or anything like that. But I just remember walking out of the out of the garden with you guys, and that was like the most hate and like angst I ever felt towards me as a Knicks fan. You know, we're just wearing our Knicks shirts. We're walking out with our with our heads hung low, and. <laughs> You know, the Boston fans were just ruthless with us. Meanwhile, they were at home for game one. They're the defending world champions. Like, they're supposed to win game one. You know, we're being kind of raucous. We kind of brought some of the hate on ourselves in our section. I think one of the people in, in our, our, in our, in but, our party but, was a little raucous. <laughs> okay. Okay. If, if you know I, what I'm I agree about. that, like, yes. But the thing is, though, what Tom is referring to, it wasn't even that bad from the people in our section. And that was kind of expected. Really? We were yelling but at them. It was because the Knicks were up the whole game up until the very end. But that wasn't the worst part of it. The worst part of it was walking out of the stadium. And yes. once you're walking out of the stadium, you're, you know, the, people don't know where you were sitting during the game. It was just sure. the people all, walking out of the stadium, people seeing those Nick jerseys that we were wearing and just being so like angry and ruthless to us. And like to Tom's point, like as Met fans, like I've walked out of uh, Philly games wearing Met stuff and. You know, they'll be angry, but this was that was that's nothing compared to I mean, of course, those are regular season games, but I was gonna say we we when we went to Citizens Bank ballpark, it was during the regular season. 
I actually don't remember it as bad because I was expecting to be beaten up. I mean, I live in Boston. I know what Celtics fans are like. Like, I was actually expecting it to be worse. It was oh, wow. it was really bad, but I was I was expecting things thrown at us, which yeah. we avoided somehow. Right. Also, when we went to Citizens Bank Park, we had a friend of the pod, Matt Resnick, uh, with us in Green Man. That's costume. true. He yes, wore Green Man costume. That softened some of the That's blow. Right. Is they're like, okay, they're Met fans, but okay, they they brought a buddy wearing Green Man. Props to that. Classic <laughs> Philly character. So yeah, that terrible would, that fans, would be my, wonderful stadium. That would be my tortured fan moment. Um, you know, especially we had like planned that trip and we're going to a playoff game and we're, you know, driving up and we're so excited and they're actually winning the game. You know, they're winning the game. They have a chance to steal game one. And, you know, in the last couple of minutes, you know, pretty much your worst nightmare happens and they lose. And then you're walking out of the stadium and you fear for your life. So it was just a uh, you go from a really high, like so much excitement, like any beginning of a trip is and then you know, just trying to make it out of the night alive. Yeah. And we thought it was like, so cool. Like that was their first playoff game in seven years. In a way, it kind of felt like their first playoff game in 10 years. Cause uh, I, I kind of feel like the, uh, the O four, the O four team that made the playoffs yeah, and got swept by New Jersey team. doesn't really right. count. I think they won like 36 games that year and snuck into the playoffs uh, in a really bad East, but like, yeah, you know, we were excited about that 2011 team. You know, they had Melo and Amari and Billups and Amari had a monster game. Yeah, like was that the series 15 or something like that? I might be mixing the years up. Was that the series he punched the uh, fire extinguisher? And I believe it was. Was it that game? game? Two? I think it was game was... two. Okay, I want to say game two. Yeah, because I remember when they got back to the Garden, it was just like total blowouts, and it was mainly because they didn't have Amari or Billups. Right, they got swept. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a four nothing sweep, but the first two games they were in it in Boston, and then the Amari thing happened, and obviously yeah. Chauncey was out, and just and then disaster. didn't they beat Boston the following year? Two years later, two years, two years later, two thousand thirteen. Yeah, twenty twelve was the year they lost to uh, Miami in the first round. Okay. That was a sweep, also, right? No, no, no that was oh, that five. Was, yeah. That's five. Which I, which I have to say because uh, Chris, me and Chris Meany were at the one win the Knicks had. Uh, Nice. In that series, game, game down 3 0, they won game four. Which that's right, that's right. Me and Chris were at, and at the time we felt it was cool because it was their first playoff win in 11 years, right? When that happened, and yeah, those teams are fool's gold team. They they never had the substance that this Knicks team has. Um, right. all right, well, <laughs> let's use that. I guess that as a segue then into uh, thank you for sharing, uh, Tom. Uh, and uh, yeah, let's use that as the segue then into talking about this year's team, I guess, you know, in some ways, uh, it reminds you, I guess in 20, I mean, it's very different from 2011, only really similar in the sense that, uh, prior to the year, they were bad for a really long time. And, uh, at least, uh, you know, we're semi-surprising in the, well, sorry, I'm rambling. (laughs) Adam, you take it. I I feel like they're different. I feel like this team almost has a more secure foundation than that team. I mean, with the 2011 team, you kind of always were wondering when the bottom was going to fall out, when Amari's knees were going to fall apart. They were so capped out between Tyson, Amari, and um, Melo that you just, you didn't think that this team was ever going to elevate much further than they did. This team is, you know, whatever happens this year is just money in the bank. Like we expect the better things to happen in the future. So I think, and at least for me, this is the most excited I've, I've been about like the next future since 1999, I think. So I am really excited to talk about what we're most excited about in the second half and what we're least excited about in the second half. 
Um, so what are, what are we most excited about for this team in the second half of the season? Relevant basketball in March, in April. When was the last time we had that? 2013. It's been, yeah. it's been such a long time. And, you know, not only is it relevant basketball like we had, but, you know, like Adam said, it, it, it's a team that we like. It's a team that we see a future with. You know, um, you know, if you if you go by the uh, the uh, preseason, you know, wins totals prediction from Vegas, like no one no one thought they were going to be this good this early. So we are kind of playing with house money here, and and you know, I'm just looking forward to enjoying it, and you know, knowing when they're playing because I want to watch as opposed to the last couple of years. I would say when my teams are bad, I'll watch recaps, but I won't sit and watch every night. I find with this Knicks team, I'm watching every night, even if that means Absolutely. like Jess and I have been watching Billions. So I just pull it up on my phone and I'm not really watching Billions. I'm just watching the live game on my phone. They're just, it's a really fun team to watch. Even when they're losing, you're like, what is quickly doing? Is quickly going to go on a crazy heat check? You know, how, you know, is top been making progress? Is Julius Randle just destroying everyone for the fourth night in a row? They're just so much fun. Is Tibbs losing then, his mind on the bench? And then, and you know, not to mention your nights where, you know, RJ Barrett scores 25 points and you're just getting super excited about that. Really? It's just, it, it's great. I love this team. It's just, this is kind of random. I feel like this team reminds me, I mean, this isn't saying much, but this team just reminds me so much of that. 90s Knicks team that we just fell in love with, right? Like what the culture of the Knicks for the 90s was like blue collar, hard nosed defensive basketball. And that is this team. I feel like they're back. I was going to say that this team reminds me more of that team than any other Knicks team we've rooted for. But the only other team that's been good since the 90s was that 2011 team. And they shot a ton of threes and were kind of weird. Uh, this team plays like that 90s team. Do you guys see those, those comparisons being accurate? I do. I, I, you know, I see a lot of similarities there and I feel like New York especially appreciates a team like that, you know, a, a team that's willing to do the little things and, you know, really fight, um, play hard defense, all those good things. Um, and even in today's NBA, you know, we all know the way the NBA is now the scores are 130 to 120 and, you know, teams shoot 53s. I think it's kind of interesting for the Knicks going forward to be a different type of team and take a different type of approach as opposed to what everybody else in the NBA is doing. And, you know, every, every night I, I watch them, I'm, I'm like computing math in my head. Are, are they on pace to keep the, a team under 100 points? Because you know if they do, they're going to win. And they, not that they do it all the time, but they, you know, they, they only give up 104 points a game. It's a completely different brand of basketball from everybody else in the league right now. Yeah. Which is kind of unbelievable. And today with the amount of threes, everybody shoots. I mean, it's, it's crazy to actually have an average that's that that low. When I watch them though, their offense doesn't, it's not a stagnant offense. It, It looks to me to be a pretty modern offense. I wonder if they had some more three point shooting, if, they would just score a lot. Like, I feel like Randall and Barrett in particular get guys open, but those shots aren't going in because they have terrible jump shooters. I know that Barrett's shooting better, but there's so many times where Reggie Bullock is missing a three. I love Emmanuel quickly, but he has a lot of one for 10 nights. I feel like if they had better shooting around what Randall's able to do, that they would be so much better. I feel like a pretty small improvement in their jump shooting would lead to some pretty huge dividends. 
Yeah. Because um, they move the ball, they attack the paint. They don't look like an antiquated offense. The no, shots I, that they take are smart shots. They just don't go in because they don't have great shooters. Yeah. I, I've been thinking about, I've been thinking about this team a lot since we had our uh, podcast with Matt Resnick, where we, I think, literally had like 25 different uh, mock trades that uh, we went through. That's and... the most, my most fun uh, podcast I've ever done. <laughs> I love talking trades. I mean, we did have a lot of fun with it. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I did admit on that podcast that I would be willing to give up a lot for Bradley Beal just because, I mean, it's, it's really hard to get a guy that's as good as Bradley Beal. But at the end of the day, I don't think that that's going to happen. I don't think Washington's going to trade him, at least not in the middle of this season. Uh, it feels like people have been trying to get Bradley Beal for a number of years now, and Washington has been steadfast in the fact that they're not moving him. Uh, where I'm kind of going with this, though, is that uh, if, if you're not going to get a big ticket item like him it does feel like they have the kind of team where you can get that offense like bring in the you know bring in some guys that are uh heat check three-point shooters like at the end of our pod we were going through which trade we wanted to see them actually make and uh, the one i picked out was go you know getting jj J. reddick you know getting a guy like that heat check three-point guy like yeah he's not going to play 40 minutes a night but you could bring him in 18 to 20 minutes a game and uh you know, he, you know, he's a guy that's just instant offense, you know, a guy that, you know, will stretch the defense out and, you know, putting another legitimate three-point shooter out there. You know, another guy who shoots at a much higher percentage than uh, Reggie Bullock. Uh, also, or Derek uh, Rose. If, if all the threes that Rose and Bullock took went to above-average three-point shooters, they would be a much better team. And they're 19 and 18, right? They, yeah. they could really be a dangerous team. Yeah. I mean, if, if Julius Randall, I mean, if this is the, ver, you know, if this version of Julius Randall is here to stay and I think there's reason to believe that it is, uh, and that, you know, he's taken, uh, this leap here in his age 26 season and that, you know, it's, it's here to stay. Um, you know, it's not like a insanity kind of thing where he got hot for 12 games, uh, then if you're not going to be able to get a free, you know, a big, ticket and free agency and you know we've gone through it like that guy over the next two years doesn't really exist then go out and get the guy that's really good at one thing three-point shooting and you know have that guy compliment what you have there with randall and uh robinson and barrett and like it just feels that what this team doesn't have you can supplement and you know and it probably wouldn't be that hard or necessarily cost that much to do it can we talk about julius for a second Yes. Do you feel that he plays differently in the fourth quarter? Like he, he doesn't seem less effective, but he moves more slowly. Do, is that just me watching? I feel like he, he, he still gets by people. He still gets to the hole, but his movements seem more labored in the fourth quarter. I feel like he's definitely more efficient, but also more aggressive in the first half. Um, he's taking a lot of guys one-on-one he's pulling up or he's driving to his left um, you know, uh, even um, posting up on guys and using his spin move. I see that a lot more in the first half. I'm not sure if it's because he's laboring and because is that where you're getting at that? He's like, he's leads the league minutes. in minutes. I think Leon yeah. Rose needs to punch Tibbs in the face and just change his rotation and have him sit more. I, just, I mean, that was he's, he's, one of he's the playing. He's playing more than anyone else in basketball. And he's, he's talked right. about it. He needs to, I think he, he, He's still effective at the end of games, which is why if Tibbs was here, he'd probably say, well, he's still a really good player down the stretch. But what I would say is he'd be even more effective if his legs are more fresh, right? Like you're, you're using him too much. Like he is 
Fair a point. limited resource. Stop using him. He's and, amazing. And moving forward, um, it's something that they're going to have to be more wary of because you also have to remember Julius Randle this season. He's coming off a period where he literally got nine and a half months off to rest his body. Like that's not a luxury they're going to have again in the future, just because you know your off season isn't that long. And uh, yeah, I mean they're definitely going to have to monitor that more, especially like if this team sort of stays structured the way it is where you're just sort of supplementing, you know, some three point shooters and complementary pieces because he does so much for this he team. Plays he plays like he's not LeBron James, but they run the LeBron James offense where he is right. the point forward, right? Like he's backing guys down. He's taking three point shots. He's, he's, he's handling the ball all the time. And I, I have just noticed that in the fourth quarter, he's still effective. Like he still helps them win but he doesn't look quite as spry. Um, so he just relies on different moves. But I would, I would just like to see first half Julius Randle last a little bit longer. And I don't think they'd have to make crazy changes to have him be a little more wrestling. Um, so Tibbs, stop it. Fair <laughs> point, especially considering that they have a second unit that plays so well together. I mean, my only... It doesn't matter. Just don't hurt. He's going to get hurt. Stop. Yeah. No, I and I completely agree. My only thought is that Right now, they're a little bit thin on their front line with Mitchell out, um, you know, with Taj Gibson out. And he has, you know, Julius has been playing, you know, 35 to 40 minutes a game, which is a ton. Um, but, you know, Tibbs loves his big men. He loves them. And that's what kind of makes him a different coach. Maybe that's why he lost some of the jobs that he had previously because he ran these guys into the ground. But, you know, I'm certainly not surprised that, you know, he's really letting Julius go out there and, and do his thing for as long as he can. I don't blame I don't Tibbs because we know I, this is what I, Tibbs I'm does. I'm not surprised by it, you know. Yeah, this is what he does. I, I blame Leon Rose. Like, he needs to just tell him to stop. Like, we're going to re-sign Randall. He's on a minutes restriction. You can't go right. more than, like, X amount I, of minutes a game. Right. I have a feeling that it will be something they'll monitor more. I think they also probably, like I said, they look at it as – uh, he came into this season incredibly well rested because the Knicks hadn't played a game in nine and a half months before this season. And they also know that this is a season that where they're playing 10 less games than they normally would. This is a 72 game regular season that matters also. Um, I mean, maybe, uh, and I think, you know, this could be a transition to the next thing we want to talk about, which, you know, have a little fun with this, but, uh, you know, maybe when they get down the stretch, uh, if it seems like they're sort of solidified into a playoff spot, maybe they can't afford to give him a few days off, uh, you know, toward the end of the season and, you know, give him a rest up for the playoffs. But uh, I mean, it's cra crazy to think that that would be a line that would actually come out that like the Knicks could afford to like maybe give it to get a guy a day off because they'll be in like position uh, to make the playoffs. But, what a weird thing well, to say. I know yeah. <laughs> it is a weird, weird thing to say. I mean, they'll but, be um, in the, at least they'll, even if things go to hell, they'll be in the play. They'll be in the playing game. Yeah. Like I can't see a scenario where they're not a top 10 where they don't finish as a top 10 team in the East this year, but uh, let's go through it. Let's go through their, you know, at, at the halfway point of the season, go through the scenarios and uh, uh, you know, talk about wh where we'd like to see this team uh, finish and uh, talk about, you know, what like the most fun uh, first round matchup would be. Um, so I think, I think the place to start is uh, you know, as it stands right now at the end of the first half, they're currently uh, at 19 and 18 and fifth place in the, in the uh, Eastern conference. Um, 
And one thing I know a lot of people have said is that they could finish in the four or five. Maybe they could actually, you know, getting win a playoff series this year. Um, I, I mean, is, is that crazy to talk about that they could actually win a playoff series this year if they finish in that fourth or fifth? It's not just crazy. Who they get. It's not it does crazy. depend on who they get. Yeah. Sorry, I thought, <laughs> thought there'd be more there. Um, well, so let's let's go through who they could play in the four or five. That's kind of your your strength, Justin, is like keeping all these standings in your head. So, who are the most likely teams that they would get in the in the the, the first round? All right. So, uh, I mean, I don't understand right. what happens with the playing game. Perfectly honest, and how that changes the bracket. Okay, so the way the playing tournament works is the, t- the top six teams in the conference essentially get a bye, as it always would be is, you know, four would play five, three would play six. And then what's going to happen is seven through 10 will be in this mini play two day play in tournament. The seven will play the eight seed winner of that game, getting the seven seed in the playoffs. Nine will play 10. And then the winner of the nine, 10 game will play the loser of the seven, eight game in a one game winner take all for the eight seed. Very okay. complicated. So wait, are you saying if they finish in the top six, their position is set? Yes. yes. Great. All right. We can we can roll with that. So if the playoffs started right now, they play the Celtics. And I think that would be a really good matchup. But yeah, I don't I, I don't know who would win. I think yeah. I think it'd be about a coin flip. Yeah. And the thing is though, is that this could go a, a number of different ways because right now the Celtics who uh, are currently in fourth and Washington who's currently in 12th are only separated by four games. So when you look at it, five, four through 12 being that close, you could see a lot of uh, flip-flopping. Uh, so but what are the flip-flopping we could see? So we could see the Knicks moving up or down. Um, I think it would be unlikely for the Celtics to move down too far. Um, I think they're they're getting healthy right now. We I think most people expect the Heat to go on a run. That was the I team I was yes. going to say. Is Miami is seven and three in their last ten games? They had a ton of injuries early. They currently sit a half game behind the Knicks in that sixth spot. I'd be very surprised if Miami doesn't finish four or five. All right. So if the Knicks end up as the sixth seed, then they'd be getting the Bucks. And I I mean, or the Nets right, or the Sixers. Right, so I don't three. think they stand a shot against the Nets or the Sixers. I think that would probably be a sweep. Maybe not a sweep because they're the Knicks. But I, I think, it, I mean, the Bucs, I think it would be interesting. I don't think they would win, but we've seen the Bucs not do well in the playoffs. And this version of the Bucs doesn't seem as good as previous versions of the Bucs. I also think they match really up decently well. I don't know, though. I, I do wonder, though, if by the time they get to the playoffs, they might actually be more dangerous just because of the fact that this team has Drew Holiday and previous Bucs teams did not. I mean, their their issues have been uh, scoring down the stretch in playoff games. And I love Drew Holiday, but he's not a guy who takes over games at the end, right? He's a guy who helps find other people to get their shot. He He's not a guy who's taking you off the dribble in the last 30 seconds of a, a game. I don't I don't see him really moving the needle there. Yeah, we'll um, see. I, I mean, I, I have a feeling if they get the sixth seed, they're probably going to end up playing Philly in the first round. I mean, you look right now, Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee at the top of the standards are separated by two games. Milwaukee's currently in that three spot, but if you go, I mean, Brook, there's reason to think Brooklyn the board. will get even better. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would say the Bucks finished no higher than third. I'd, I'd put. I it don't on know. The board. I mean, you look though. I mean, the Bucks. The Bucks have a. You look at. I mean, go by point differential though. The Bucks are outscoring teams by six and a half points a game. Philly's only outscoring teams by three and a half points a game. They're only separated by uh, two games right now. Um, I, I, w- I would think that 
by the end of the year. And we've seen the Bucks be a really good regular season team in the past. I think the Bucks end up finishing ahead. I would my if I had to get predicted, I would guess Brooklyn one, Milwaukee two, Philly three is how I think they end up finishing. Put it on the board. I, I would bet you the Sixers end up with a higher seed than the Bucks. All right. Also, I was the only one in a friend group who said that the James Harden trade was going to help the Nets. I everyone was like saying this is a terrible deal. I'm like, I don't know. I think they're going to be really, really good. I think they probably win the title this year. Uh, They they certainly could. They're scary. Um, They yeah. Especially if if they're having if they have this version of uh, Kyrie, you know, fully engaged and uh, playing well. Sorry, we're going off on. We got way off track. NBA. We're talking about the Knicks, and uh, so the Knicks, if they play the Celtics, we think it's possible. Um, If the Knicks ended up playing the Heat, I think it's possible, but unlikely. Unlikely. I mean, I think the Heater. I think you know you look after that that big three at the top of the East. Um, I personally, I think Miami's number four. They're the defending conference champions. They've played much better lately. When we saw the Knicks. Uh, play the heat in that back-to-back Miami swept them and you know watching those two games Miami just looked like the better team uh, here's here's the issue with Miami Jimmy Butler is getting up in age and his so he played well in the playoffs but his skill set has changed rapidly over the last couple of years where he's not like your primary ball handler he's not really much of a jump shooter anymore if he got hurt or was a diminished Jimmy Butler we've seen this team not really be able to play very well without him um yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, injuries can always happen, but I feel like when you're talking about these matchups, you want he's he's played a lot of these teams playoff series. He's not as young. He there were signs that his skill set was starting to not be quite what it was. So he played really well in the well, playoffs. What? Unbelievable year, in the playoffs last year. But he, he yeah. still wasn't like the offensive Jimmy Butler that we've seen in the past. So you think about uh, the, the Jimmy know. Butler I mean, that was in you that You go Philly. back to that game, though, in the finals last year. I mean, he's going like toe-to-toe uh, with LeBron James, and they didn't have Goran Dragic. They he didn't have Bam out of bio. Shots he was So his game, right, his game is really based on getting to the rim and drawing fouls. I mean, now. I think... I mean, I think the better art, and if your argument is that this year's Miami team doesn't have the ceiling that last year's Miami team, I, I don't think it's because Butler's game is, I would, at least in a one-year basis. I think their basis, ceiling is just as high. My, my concern is Jimmy Butler's not as good as he was But I, th- I think you're bringing up the wrong played point, out in the think, regular season. I think more of the point, though, is that, uh, you know, will this just wear out based on the fact that Miami had an incredibly short offseason, more than, you know, him wearing down because of age. So what I'm telling you to do is to go look at Butler's statistical profile over the last four years and his, the way he plays basketball has changed. And I don't think it's going to lead to like an extended career for him. Um, So he he doesn't take threes anymore. Right. And he's becoming less athletic as he gets older. So he's usually when guys get old and if they can continue to play well, it's because they become more reliant on their shooting and less their physical abilities. And he's going the other way where as he gets older, his shooting is falling apart and he's more reliant on his physical abilities. And I think we've seen signs from him this year that he's not the same player that he was. Um, so I, I say that's the big risk for the heat this year is. All right. So if the Knicks ended up as the five and Miami was the four, what percentage would you put, give the Knicks to win that series? Wait, what are, what are the heat in the series? Or whatever. I mean, well, I think it matters because if they oh, of where game go on a run and they're playing well, and Jimmy Butler looks like the old Jimmy Butler, then I'd say very slim. Well, clearly, Miami's if they're really going to play, team. if the Knicks are going to play Miami in the first round, it would have to be in the four five series because we know we know the top three, you know, unless there's a, a catastrophic injury uh, to, you know, to one of the top three teams, the top three teams are going to be Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee in some order. So 
that means they're playing Miami in a four or five series. Uh, I'm saying in that scenario, what percentage, what percent chance do you give the Knicks of winning that series? 20%. That's like 10. Yeah. I'm saying 10. I'd give them, I'd give them about a, I'd say about 10%. I mean, basically we're thinking that if they get in the four or five, they're probably playing Brooklyn or Miami, sorry, Boston or Miami in that series. I'd give them like a 25% chance against Boston, like a 10% chance against Miami. That's how, that's my personal thought. I don't think they stand a great chance against either team, but more of a, definitely more of a chance against the Celtics. I had that of all the teams who I'd like to see most would be Boston. I feel like they're, they're down. Kemba Walker is not the same right now, you know, um, and it would just be fun for the Knicks and, and Boston to go toe to toe in a four or five matchup. I think it'd be a really good series. I also said that the team that I would like to see the least is Miami. I mean, that, that team, like, like we talked about, Jimmy Butler put that team on his back. The guy is an assassin, you know, and I, I understand that what, what Adam's saying with, with the way he's changed his game, but he's, he's the type of player who won't let his team lose. And we yeah. saw that last year in the playoffs. So that's the team I, I would fear the most. And, yeah. you know, I, I feel like Boston would be a really fun, entertaining series to watch for the Knicks. Yeah. So I've actually got a, uh, a take on all this. Um, and my take is that uh, I, I actually think, as, as crazy as it might sound, I actually think it might be better for this team to finish seventh or eighth than to finish four, five, or six for the following reason that, we've kind of laid it out. If they get the six seed, they're going to play a really good team in round one that they're going to stand almost no chance of beating, or maybe even making it a series. Uh, maybe if it's Milwaukee in a three, six matchup, maybe they could, you know, win like two games. Um, and even in a four or five against Boston or Miami, we probably don't think uh, they are going to win that series. I feel like though, if they finish seven or eight though, now you're, now you're looking at a scenario where maybe you're playing Toronto or Charlotte or uh, you know, uh, Chicago or Washington and you have a chance to like knock somebody out, feel like you've legitimately won something. And yeah, you know, so you win, you know, you get through the play in tournament, you end up as the seven or eight seed playing a, you know, a Philly or a Brooklyn or a Milwaukee. Like, yeah, you're not going to win that series, but now, now at least like you've won something, like you can sort of hang your hat on the fact that uh, you knocked somebody out. And I think that'd also be fun. Like how much fun would it be if, you know, they're playing the Washington wizards in, you know, this play in uh series and they get to knock out Russell Westbrook, like the most hate, one of the most hated guys in the NBA. Like that just sounds like so much fun. I and think I they think could knock off Miami or Boston. And that sounds like way more fun. And if they're playing in the, if they're, in the playing game, they've fallen off a little bit, and their Not that much, re- rest though. of the regular I mean, right, season hasn't been as entertaining. I don't know. I mean, so you say they're falling right off, but I mean, Charlotte's currently in seventh place, and the Knicks are one game ahead of Charlotte. They're all it's bunched like, up between yeah. like four through ten. Yeah, I mean, the one team we haven't talked, we also haven't talked about is you know you look Toronto is a game and a half behind uh, the Knicks right now, and I know Toronto hasn't played great. They're seventeen and nineteen, but. You know, you just look at the pedigree there. I think there's reason to think that, like, they finished the season strong. Um, They're decimated with the coronavirus right now. And I don't know how much longer they can go before they decide to just kind of blow it up. Because they're going to have to make a decision on Kyle Lowry and some of their other veterans. Fair point. Um, And their whole team right now, I mean, they didn't have a coach. 
they didn't have, I don't know how, and we, as we know with COVID, like some people come back and they're fine. And some people, it takes a while to come back. I mean, I don't think Russell Westbrook's been the same. Jason Tatum hasn't been the same. I think their whole team got hit pretty hard. So I, I don't know if they're just going to turn on a switch after the all-star break, but they could, they easily could, but I, I don't think they're exactly the Raptors of old. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, But I I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, the fact that we just had like a 10, however long we were just talking about possible playoff matchups and it doesn't sound ridiculous. um, (laughs) That's exciting. It's not ridiculous. I mean, they are going to make at least the playing game. There will be playoff Nick basketball this year. Yeah. And honestly, if they don't, that means they completely fell apart and they're going to have a really good draft pick. So I'm happy that way too. Like this is a win-win no matter what. (laughs) Agreed. Good point. Uh, sorry. So, uh, before we move on to the jets, um, any other, any other, I think there was one other Nick point you wanted to bring up, Adam. I'm, I'm sorry. I skipped around on our outline. We were going to talk about the things we were most and least looking forward to. And you just kind of skipped the whole thing, Justin. Is there nothing else you're looking forward to or not looking forward Ooh, to? Oh, I thought, I thought we covered the most looking forward we to. We only right. talked about Julius Randall. Um, no, we talked about, you know, a playoff run. We talked about Julius Randall. I feel like we talked about, you know, the, the young guys playing well. Uh, you know, I mean, for me, the thing that I'm most looking forward to is RJ Barrett's jump shot. As Tom pointed out in a text thread to us, he's shooting 51% from three in the last, I think, two months. Like if he can establish himself as like a, a 38% three-point shooter, he completely changes his profile and probably will end up making an all-star team. Given that he plays above average defense, he's a great ball handler, and he's really good at getting at the rim. So if he can be an above average three-point shooter, I like the the – this, there, there is no ceiling. I mean, yes, there is a ceiling because he's not hyper athletic, but he could be a really excellent player. So that that's exciting thing. Something I'm really looking forward to watching. I have a question for the hosts. Okay. So I was thinking about this. You know, with All Star Weekend just passing us, we finally had a Nick as an All Star, right? We finally had a guy to represent our team. Do we think? If we re-sign Julius Randle long-term, he will attract big free agents that we haven't had in the past seven, eight years. I haven't, haven't had a, a big free agent signing in a really long time. Are players going to want to come to New York to play with Julius Randle if we, if we re-sign him? That's a yes and no. So I don't think they'll come to play with Julius. I think they'll come to play because the Knicks are a place to go again. Right? I think like winning the title – for the Knicks, Mets, or Jets, I think is like one of the, the great accomplishments left in sports. So I think if the Knicks are good, people want to live in New York and they'll want to win a title in New York. I don't know if it's because of Julius Randle, but I don't think it's not because of him. Um, but as we, there's not that many great free agents coming available in the next two years. So I think the way that they're going to get a superstar is going to be through trade if they get somebody. Unless R.J. Barrett turns into a superstar, which, hey, that could happen, and they have two. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Um, to, to what Adam said, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's more just that there, there's an ever-steadying situation in New York, uh, and clearly, as we, as we saw with what happened with the Nets, uh, with Kyrie and Durant signing there, players still want to play in New York, just, you know, the, the – the, the uh, how people viewed the Knicks around the league was, oh, it's a place you can't play. It's so dysfunctional. And Julius Randle is helping uh, with the whole idea that maybe it's not so dysfunctional in New York. But to your point about will people want to come to uh, 
to New York to play with Julius Randle. Um, one thing I, I, I was just, it, when you said that, one thing that sort of triggered in my mind was uh, the Olympics. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, because of COVID, but the Olympics are supposed to happen this summer. Do we think that it's possible that Julius Randle has elevated his game so much this year he ends up on the uh, U.S. men's Olympic team this summer? Yeah, I think there's yeah. an absolute. I think, I think he'll. I think he'll be on the Olympic team if he wants it. Yeah, there's I, no way LeBron plays. There's no way Chris Paul plays. Yeah, he's young. He's 26 years old. He's at like the perfect age for it. the reason I bring Anthony this up Davis is I, isn't going to play. You know, he's always hurt. Yeah. There's no way he's going to the Olympics. Yeah. So exactly, I think there's a really good chance of that. And the reason I bring this up is I apologize. I forget where I heard this, but uh, I was listening to an. I forget. If, I was listening to either an NBA podcast or you know people talking about the NBA on the radio and. Uh, they were talking, they were talking about, uh, they're actually talking about Luca and they were like, you know, what, what do you think like the ceiling is for, you know, Dallas over the years and people wanting to play there. And one of the, I don't know that I necessarily agree with this point, but, uh, they were saying that, you know, you look at like what happened back in 2010 when like the first so-called super team was formed with, uh, you know, the three guys teaming up in Miami. And they said the roots of that were those three guys playing together on the 2008 Olympic team. And if Julius Randle is on the Olympic team this year, you know, maybe he does become friendly with other guys and it, it does end up eventually attracting guys. Cause you know, guys play together in the Olympics and you know, they want to play together in the NBA. Uh, the reason I say that with Luca is just because the the point the guy I was listening to made was that he's not uh, on the U.S. Olympic team. Exactly, he's not an American, <laughs> so he he won't have the opportunity to like play with all the best players in the league in the Olympics. But um, uh, I mean, everyone knows how good Luca is. So I mean, you know, I mean, he certainly has a uh, house a lot. He's he's I don't know how much fun Luca Doncic is to play with. We we got to move on to the Jets all right. That, that wasn't, but really- there's. There's two more things I wanted to talk. I feel about. like I'm not on my A game tonight. The, the, I feel like my, it's okay. There was, my there was main, another point. No, just my main point was that if Julius Randall is on the Olympic team that year, maybe that does help. Uh, you know, in the idea that other players will want to come play in New York with Julius Randall so down the, the road because I, now he's. I might be wrong. So the the two CAA guys who I think the Knicks kind of had their eyes on were Joel Embiid. And I think Devin Booker was the CAA guy. So those are people who Leon Rose had connections with. So those have been the guys who you think maybe they're on the Olympic team with Randall. Maybe they want to come, but uh, Embiid would be on camera road. So he probably wouldn't play um, for the USA. But those guys aren't leaving. Like Devin Booker is not leaving Phoenix. They're the fourth in the West as of right now. Um, And I don't think there's any chance that Embiid's leaving the Sixers. So let's let's real quick. So what are we least looking forward to from the Knicks in the second half? I'll just go through mine quick, and then you guys can share yours. I'm worried Andre Drummond ends up on the Knicks. I don't like Andre Drummond. I don't think we need any more centers. I just want to throw out there. I'm also not looking forward to watching Reggie Bullock play. He might be a wonderful person, but I think he's costing them wins. And I hate the stupid Knicks trade like ideas on Twitter. People just think that you can get LeBron James for RJ Barrett and it's making me crazy. So those are three things I'm not looking forward to over the next couple of months. Question for um, you for, oh, sorry, Tom. No, go ahead. Because oh, it relates to Adam's point. Uh, I mean, it, it seems like uh, Derek Rose is perfectly capable of playing the, t- like why, like when Alfred Payton's healthy, why don't they just start Alfred Payton and Derek Rose and bring Billick off the bench? I don't get it. Why don't they what? Why don't they 
just start Payton and Rose together and bring Bullock off the bench. There's not enough shooting. So the you need the way their offense is built is you need an outlet valve, right? So whoever plays the three gets a lot of really good three point shots. So that's Reggie Bullock, but he's just not hitting them at the rate you need. Um, Alfred Payton is improved his three point game a lot since he came into the league, but he's not a good three point shooter. Derek Rose is not a good three point shooter. Um, And if you watch them, he's just Bullock is getting the right shots, but he's missing them. So when I watch them, it just, it screams for an upgrade and they don't have anyone to play those minutes. It's, it's him. Yeah, that's it. I mean, they used to have Wayne Ellington, who's a similar type of player, but he's, he's not on the team anymore. I think he's on Detroit. Um, So if you could turn Reggie Bullock into anyone who can shoot threes at like, you know, 38, 39, 40% clip, you'd be in really a much better shape. Yeah. Sorry, Tom, what are you least looking forward to in the second half? Uh, so similar to what Adam said, you know, I'm, I, I just don't want to see us make one of our, you know, Knicks trades where we're giving up, you know, young talent for some, you know, an older, more expensive player because we're trying to make a push for the playoffs. Like I want them to just stay the course, you know, develop our guys, um, you know, stay away, you know, keep our, our cap flexibility going forward, you know, not take on a crazy contract or anything like that. And I, I do have faith in, in this, uh, this management group that they will do that. It's just, they've, they've done the opposite so many times in the past, obviously, and we haven't been good, you know, so I'm, that's what I fear the most. And um, on a lighter note, what I'm really not looking forward to the rest of the year, I'm not sure how many games they have scheduled for this, but those god-awful black New York City never sleeps jerseys. They're just atrocious. And Across the league, all of these, I don't know what they call them. but the, Third the, jerseys, I, I guess. I call them the not right jerseys. It's when they're I put on right. a team and they're not right. Like, all of them are bad. They're really bad. But, like they're horrible. Like the colors are just very bright. And it's like, Whoa, what's happening to my TV? Um, I can't, I can't stomach it too much longer. So I'm really the Lakers alternate jerseys are, are hideous and they're always on the television. Um, just, I feel like three years ago, everyone had good jer- jerseys. Go back to it. Right. You put, you, you verbalized that so well, Tom. And that's why I hate the Andre Drummond idea. Like the Knicks forever traded for veterans who are past their prime. And I think that's why I can't sleep at night and I'm worried about Andre Drummond, right? Because I understand they probably wouldn't give up that much for him, but it just represents every Nixian trade they've ever made. And I just, we have to be better than that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go to a a different aspect of something I'm not looking forward to uh, in the second half. And this is, this is sort of a twofold, but um, so uh the regular season, because the season started late this year, the season ends late this year. Like, so the regular season ends on May 16th this year. Uh, and in May, the Knicks have a six game road trip in the Western conference where they have to go and play at Houston, at Memphis, at Denver, at Phoenix, and then at the two LA teams. And I just worry that we're going to go into this late stretch of the season. We're going to be feeling really good about the team and, uh, they're going to go out West and this is just going to be a really ugly road trip. That's either going to knock them down in the standings or just make us not feel good about the Knicks going into the playoffs. Cause I, I just feel like that's a late time of year to be having to go on the road for a that long and be 
you know, for that, just that many games against that many, I mean, Houston's not a good team, but the other five teams are all very good teams, uh, if not great teams. And uh, I just think it's going to be, you know, really draining. I mean, like I said, after that Houston game, they got to play Memphis, Denver, Phoenix, and the two LA teams in a five game stretch. And, uh, I, I, and that's basically right before the playoffs. And, and that, that just scares me a little bit with that gauntlet. Uh, not to mention uh, when you go out West, you play a lot of really late games and uh, we all have kids uh, or, uh, or have kids on the way. Congrats, Tom. Thanks. <laughs> We're going to be sleeping more than you by then. <laughs> yes, you absolutely will. But uh, point being, when you play these games on the West Coast, it's like the, the game starts so late. It's a pain in the ass. I don't even, I don't even bother. I'm going like, like they got a game. Like I'm looking at the schedule right now. They got a game at the Lakers at 1030 at night. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not staying up till one. As much as I'd like to see them play the Lakers, I can't stay up till 130 in the morning on a Tuesday. That's not happening. <laughs> I might be up. Later on by 1.30, <laughs> and I may catch the end of it, but I'm not staying up for a 10.30 start. Uh, I'm sorry. The, having, having children is wonderful. The getting up every two or three hours when you're trying to sleep is just, it's really bad. Yeah. It's not but the great thing is you're so sleep deprived for a year that you don't remember it. Right. It's really, it's really unpleasant. I decided I'm Everything else training about childhood. myself. Great. Don't do I'm it. Gonna, it's a bad idea. I'm just going to start getting just, up in the middle of the night. Just sleep. Just hold on Just to it as long as I can. Enjoy every moment of sleep you have. <laughs> Cherish it. And when the kid's born, any anytime they go to sleep, just sleep. Yeah. Just every moment you can sleep, enjoy it. Good advice. Yeah. Good advice. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, so, sorry, we've been talking about the Knicks for like an hour now. Uh, as any, we should, because they're amazing and I love them. I, yeah. I love this team. I love this team so much. I love this team as much as the 2015 Mets, as the 99 Knicks as probably the 99 jets i love this team high praise for a team that does not have as high a ceiling as i don't care teams. i love they're just <laughs> they, they i just i love them it's maybe it's irrational i just i'm in love with this team hopefully that's not the kiss of death i don't care they could oh, wait, they, if so they Adam, suck down the stretch and get a high draft pick i will still love them i Adam, do like all the players I, which can is I play? you know Something that you couldn't always say every year. They have some high quality, high high character guys on the team. I feel like, and they all something to be worried about long term. You guys both mentioned like wanting players to come to the Knicks. So what they they've talked internally about how they're a group of gym rats, and not every person in the NBA I think wants to work as hard as everyone in the Knicks right now. Like I think everyone in this Knicks team works out all the time. Tibbs will just work. You know, you'll work with Tibbs until you can't move anymore and you know, you're in traction. Um, so I, I think that will turn off some guys, but those are probably not guys we want in the next. Right. Yeah. So Adam, I just, I just thought up the dream scenario for you for this team. Okay. They, they finish in that four or five series playing Boston, who I think we all agree. They have a better chance to beat than Miami. They, they, they pull off the miracle. They beat Boston in the first round. Now they're in the second round. And even though uh, you don't think that's going to happen, Milwaukee, ends up as the one seed the knicks get the all ever underperforming bucks in round two <laughs> they beat them and now the knicks are playing either philly or brooklyn in the eastern or they're playing brooklyn in the eastern conference finals and we have an all new york eastern conference finals what do you think i would have to go into my kids um <laughs> college savings funds and buy a ticket for just one of those games <laughs> if they're playing the nets in the eastern conference finals I would, I would just, I would find a way. I would just go. I don't, I don't even care. I just, I just have to go. I'm going to be vaccinated by then. Great. I'm there. 
I like how I the really Bucks are going to turn out to be the one seed, but they're underperforming, and then they're going to lose. Well, no, 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 because the Bucks series. have in proven the <laughs> in the playoffs. They've always yes. proven that they're a really good regular season okay. team. I mean, as they're doing again this year. I mean, they're they're having a good regular season again. They're they're you know, it's their not win percentage is so far off from what it's been in the past. They yeah, are they're not, not playing yeah. nearly as well as they have the last year. But they're still well within position to. I guess it's certainly within the realm of possibility that they could get the one seed again this year. They're only two right. games back of Philly, like, and they have the best uh, point differential in the Eastern Conference. And they have the best player in the Eastern Conference. Joel Embiid, I take him every day. Over Giannis, yeah. Right now, absolutely. You love Joel Embiid. I always have. He's the MVP <laughs> right now. It's hands down. I love Joel Embiid. It's another player that's underperformed in the playoffs, though. Yes. Who? Joel Embiid. Yeah, I can't defend it. I want to. <laughs> they got swept in the first round last year. That's bad. Okay, can we talk about the Jets and then go with the Jets? <laughs> oh my God, the the dissing of Joel Embiid has a. Uh, I'm shit. really, I'm really flustered. He's the best player <laughs> in basketball right now. Full stop. I don't think anyone. I mean, you can you can quibble <laughs> with it, but leave him, leave him alone. <laughs> He's, He's seven so three and he hits game winning threes. It's amazing. With time expiring. <laughs> We have a ten dollar bet on who will have a regular, better regular season record this year, uh, Milwaukee or uh, Philly. Yeah, I mean you have an advantage because they're two games up right now, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. And they have Joel Embiid. (laughs) And they're gonna they're gonna make so Milwaukee can't. Why are we doing it? Milwaukee can't make a trade to improve. Philly's got some moves left. All right, let's let's talk the Jets. So um, we are all Jet fans, and we are about to head into maybe. My favorite part of the NFL season, which is the offseason. So what we wanted to do is talk about what is our offseason wish list. So what do we want them to do in free agency? And what do we want them to do in the draft? So I've talked the most. I'm going to send myself to the, the, the end of the line. I'm going to go last. Uh, Tom, why don't you start? Okay. So, you know, something – I'm going to start with my draft first because uh, it kind of sets up our free agency. You know – with our pick at two, I'm sorry, I got to interrupt. Free agency comes first. Um, oh. That's something that people in the NFL have talked about flipping forever, and they should. Um, but, but I, but uh, do what I, you got to do. And I just, and I, I just had to make get that. But I feel like our our draft picks affect free agency. But all right, I, okay. So I see what you're saying. All right, so I feel like our skill position players should come via free agency. So initially I really, really wanted the jets to go out and get Allen Robinson tall wide receiver has had successful seasons, no matter where he's played. And then of course today, Chicago uh, slapped him with the franchise tag. So in terms of my backup for Allen Robinson, I would say Kenny Galladay because he is a tall wide receiver. He's six, four, and we know how much, um, Adam, you said it before, how much Joe Douglas loves just big players at all positions. He was um, the biggest group of men ever. Yeah, he, he just loves big players. They can all sit in the meadow with him and eat meat instead of a basket. <laughs> a, uh, a potential backup for Kenny Galladay, I would say, 
is um, is Juju Smith-Schuster, who's still only 24, 25. And especially if we still have Sam Darnold next year, you know, the USC connection might might be a nice thing. Um, and then also via free agency, a personal pick of mine is Marlon Mack, the running back from Indianapolis. Just a very versatile back. Indianapolis has Jonathan Taylor now. Um, they're going to probably let Mack go. Mac is great catching uh, passes out of the backfield. Um, one of my per- personal favorite fantasy players who I've had on my team a couple of years. And, um, you know, I, I would love to see that versatile running back that we were supposed to have with Le'Veon Bell, which obviously that didn't work out well. But I would like to see that with Marlon Mack, who is still only 25. And, you know, we can sign him to, you know, a three-year deal and, you know, really kind of um, make our offense a lot more interesting than it has been in the past couple of years. All right. So then in the draft, what's your uh, key positions you want them to target? Like who's your, 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 they have two picks in the first round. What positions do you want them to go after? And then what's your plan for the draft? So at two, I do like the Oregon tackle. I really do believe in building. Oh, you're all in on Sam Darnold. I'm not. Um, but but we did say other than QBs. That's why we said that. Yeah, All right, no, I'm not abiding by that. That's, that's okay. stupid. But so I, this is what I wrote. I I I'd, I'd like to have either the Oregon tackle Sewell or Zach Wilson at two, and then with our second first round pick, um, an elite edge rusher or cornerback. We haven't had an elite edge rusher since John Abraham. Am I right? Yes, it's, no, John May Abraham's it's, our it's last been years. It's been years. And we haven't had a elite quarterback since Darrell Rebus. You know, we haven't had a lockdown corner. Uh, we've had some nice guys who we've, like, filtered through and kind of developed. But I think, you know, they, they just gave the franchise tag to Marcus May, who, you know, I think had a great season, and I really do like him. And I'm glad he's on the team again next year. So if they could, you know, shore up. Uh, a cornerback position or obviously um, an edge rusher. That would be really nice way to use that second first round pick. Yeah. So um, all good points. Um, one, one slight disagreement and uh, I think an opposite way, I, I think I might want to see them go uh, is uh, I actually wouldn't mind if uh they address wide receiver via the draft and not free agency, free agent, wide receivers, you know, I, mean, I know the Jets have a lot of cap room, but I mean, the Jets need everything just about. Uh, so, and you've seen so many wide receivers come into the league the last two years and make such significant impacts right off the bat. And you look, the, the Jets, they have the 23rd pick, they have the 34th pick. Uh, if if um, Joe Douglas is doing his homework, there's no reason to think they shouldn't be able to get a wide receiver at one of those two picks. Uh, that can come in and make an immediate impact. And as far as what they have already in place, uh, they have Denzel Mims, who they drafted last year and showed flashes. Uh, I have a feeling they probably end up with Jamison Crowder back on the team, who uh, you know is a really good slot receiver. Uh, so I actually wouldn't mind seeing them address wide receiver in the draft. In that regard, I'm not going to pretend like I know uh, which rookies are going to be good and which aren't, but like I said, it just seems that wide receivers come in and are just immediately good. And it just seems that this is the way things are now. Uh, a guy I actually would really love to see them though, 
um, a skill position guy. I would love to see them uh, target in free agency. And this is one of your favorites, Adam. I'd love to see them go out and get Johnny Smith. Uh, we all know Chris Herndon is hot garbage. Uh, that was a McCagden guy that just, you know, he's terrible. Um, go out, get a, get a big uh, pass catching tight end. Um, some people thought the Titans might franchise Johnny Smith. They did not. Uh, and I believe that the Jets will have a rookie quarterback this season. And they always say, you know, the best uh, best friend of a young uh, QB is, uh, you know, a big tight end that uh, can get catch touchdowns in the red zone. So go get me some uh, Janu Smith. Um, he's a name I haven't seen connected to the Jets, but why not? Um, I don't see a reason why he wouldn't be a great fit here. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's so. Those would be my number one, you know, free agent and draft targets. I mean, obviously there's a lot of other guys. I mean, uh, the Patriots didn't end up franchising Joe Thune. So, I mean, that's a guy that uh, he'd help, he'd help you on the offensive line. Uh, they could certainly get better at one of the guard spots. And uh, you also take a guy away from new England. So that's a, a you know, a double positive. And uh, the last thing I want to say is, um, I don't, know, I don't know what I was thinking when I, I drew up the outline set other than uh, QB, because I'm going to make a QB point, uh, too. Um, so when we had John Hill on the pod, uh, we were talking about quarterbacks, and I think me and Hill both said that ultimately we'd like to see them take Justin Fields with another number two pick. And I, I'm not going to lie, when I watched Justin Fields play, uh, I, I thought he was really good, and I thought he was impressive. But there's a lot of people out there that know – a lot more about football than me. And uh, it seems like all the experts are saying that uh, Zach, uh, Zach Wilson is, you know, he's clearly the number two guy. Uh, you go by what Chris Sims said. I mean, Chris Sims made a lot of headlines uh, last week when he came out with his quarterback rankings and he had Sims ahead of, uh, sorry, Sims had Wilson ahead of Trevor Lawrence. And uh, at least if you look at the last four years, uh, Chris Sims certainly, Seems like he knows what he's talking about when evaluating quarterbacks. Uh, you know, you go back 2018, he had Lamar Jackson as the number one quarterback in that class and Josh Allen, number two. He certainly hit there uh, in 2019. Um, he had, I mean, he had Kyler Murray, number one, but he had Drew, you know, a guy like Drew Locke ahead of Dwayne Haskins. And last year he had Joe Burrow, one, Justin Herbert, two, and he had two at number four. So, uh, you know, I mean, like I said, I mean, he, he's been pretty uh, spot on uh, with his quarterback analysis in recent years. Um, and if he, you know, if he thinks uh, Wilson is going to be that good, uh, I mean, he's he's a guy it's hard not to trust. Uh, I was he was on the uh, Chris Long podcast today. I was listening to that. And one thing he was saying is uh, the the he. He was watching a lot of tape. He thinks Wilson is the full package. The only thing he'd knock him on is that he wishes Wilson could be maybe a little bit taller because he's about six two and a half. But I mean, that's taller than a lot of other successful also, quarterbacks in this he, league. The, the multiple progressions is not. I'm not going to play. I'm not going to say that I watch a ton of tape um, on Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. I've seen more Fields than Wilson, but the the knock on both of them is not quite ready to do like a pro style like multiple read offense um, that when they get past their first guy, things slow down, which is not something you see with Lawrence. Like Lawrence sees like five guys all at once. It's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen from a college player. Um, it's like the Mahomes thing where like, he just sees everything at the same time. Um, but both fields and Wilson struggle with that a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, going back to what Chris Sim said, I mean, one of the main reasons he said he had Wilson above Lawrence was he said, uh, Wilson has far superior footwork to Lawrence. 
Um, you know, I mean, I guess that's something, you know, the next bird and a guy who was an ex quarterback is going to notice more than us. I you guess who's got the going... worst footwork I've ever seen in my entire life. Sam Darnold. Terrible. His feet are just, <laughs> they don't know what they're doing ever. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why they need a new quarterback. When and... will the Sam Darnold yeah, people and... on Twitter go away? <laughs> I, I don't get it. Where was I really Chris don't. Sims with that pick? Uh, he actually had Sam Donald. Um, he had, so his 2018 rankings, I have them up here. He had Lamar Jackson, one Josh Allen, two oh, Baker, shit. three Donald, four and Rosen five. Wow. wow. Okay. He knows oh my stuff. goodness gracious. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I actually was going to do a whole thing about how I want to field, but I don't, I'm not going to say that anymore. <laughs> um, and I think he actually, I think he actually had fields fifth behind, um, Mac Jones and uh, the Texas A&M quarterback, but uh, interesting. Well, it does sound like they're going to take Wilson. Yeah. Um, I guess where I'm going with all this is it it feels like all the experts are are putting, you know, I mean, they still, with the exception of Sims, they all have uh, Lawrence as their number one guy, but it, it feels like Wilson is becoming the clear cut number two. And if enough experts and, you know, guys that know what they're talking about are saying that Wilson is this good, then the Jets need to take Wilson because they're probably not going to be in this situation again uh, where they have a chance to get a guy as good as Zach Wilson. And if enough experts, you know, say he's that good, then, I, you know, who am I to say he's not that good? It's not like I was watching BYU football last year. Fair enough. Um, the only thing I would say about Fields is it does. I feel like he's got a higher floor than Wilson um, where we've seen fields play against top level competition and we've seen him do really well. I'm thinking about the Clemson game, um, his accuracy, but was his, his completion percentage is like 68%. Um, he's really fast. So I, I feel like given the type of offense they're going to run where the quarterback isn't going to be asked to do Mahomes things. Yeah. Like I, I feel like fields, they could probably run a pretty successful offense around him. Um, well, Wilson, could he just come in and have just been a product of playing crappy play teams? Maybe. Um, yeah. I think given the personnel packages they're going to be running and their coaching and how much inf- this crazy, they're going to have a crazy infusion of talent next yeah. year. I think that whoever the quarterback is, they can set them up to be successful. Yeah. Last, sorry. Last point about the Chris Sims rankings. Uh, uh, when I was listening to the podcast, the Chris long podcast earlier, uh, Chris Long asked him, where do you have Wilson ranked, you know, in regards to guys you've seen in previous years? Uh, and he he said uh, probably the second best prospect uh, in the last five years behind Mahomes. He said he had Mahomes. And he also, sorry, in 2017, he had Mahomes and uh, Watson ahead. Well, of, he um, plays like Trubisky. Mahomes, yeah. right? He, he's not he, Patrick Mahomes, yeah. but he yeah. his style of play where he like, as John Hill talked about on our podcast, like he throws guys open, um, he, he can throw the ball like down the field like really fast and from weird he can throw it at weird angles like he does that so that's what you value in a quarterback it's pretty fun to watch quarterbacks do that i mean wilson has yeah. that similar skill set yeah. i've heard so far is... people compare him to russell wilson as well too which yeah. might just I'm... be a height thing yeah and they have the same last name that's true nice. <laughs> nailed it all done last thing though uh if because zach wilson it feels like has ascended up the draft board so much though yeah it's also an opportunity where if Joe Douglas still loves Justin Fields or Trey I mean, Lance, or Trey Lance uh, I mean, I didn't think this was possible uh, a couple months ago, but 
he could now very likely trade down and still get Justin Fields or Trey Lance, which right. Atlanta picks a four, right? Yes. Are they five? Like if they're willing to give up their first round pick this year and their first round pick next year to move up. Sure. (laughs) Let's let's do it. That's a no brainer. Yeah. Again, unless Joe Douglas, we've seen that trade. It's not, I mean, that's not like a Homer crazy thing to say. We've seen that happen before. Uh, I mean, didn't the Rams, right? I mean, we've seen those kind of trades where teams move up three or four spots. Well, didn't the Bears, Bears give up Trubisky? a future? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Didn't they give up a few their first the following year to move up one spot and get yes. Trubisky? Yeah, and pass on to Sean Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Good job. Yeah, is that GM Boy. still employed by the Bears? Shouldn't be. All right, let's let me roll through mine and then we'll. we'll Wait, are you, are, you, are you mad? I mentioned Johnny Smith as a, a Jets free agent target. I know you love Johnny Smith. No, <laughs> I, I, I thought you'd be I mad. You the... didn't think of it. No, I, I think he's <laughs> kind of overrated. He had two good games what? last year. Look at it. He had two good games and then he got hurt and wasn't very effective. (laughs) I liked him because I didn't have to spend any, I didn't, I drafted him. I didn't draft him in fantasy. I signed him and he was very good as a starter for a couple weeks. All right. Um, So what do I want them to do? I took a kind of a different approach. I just want to build through their lines. Like I, I don't really want them to invest heavily in wide receivers. I feel like if you, if your quarterback plays well, like your wide receiver is good. Remember, I don't know if you guys remember the Broncos, like the year they got Manning. Like no one thought Demarius Thomas was any good. And then suddenly you threw this amazing quarterback on the team and suddenly they had the best skill position players in football. Um, so in, in free agency, I want them to sign Thune. And then I want them to sign two of four players. I want them to sign two edge rushers, right? I want two of Judon, Barrett, Brad Dupree, and um, Yannick Ngakwe. Like I think that's where they need to spend their money is in free agency, like building out their lines. Um, and in the drafts, like QB first, that second pick in the first round, I want them to take ETN or Harris. I really people uh, don't running understand how dependent this offensive scheme is on elite running back play. Like Although, you can, you need a really strong running back. There is a massive drop off in this draft after those two guys. That supposedly. is supposedly. So it's either that or sign Aaron Jones. And I'd love that too. I'm not a huge fan of bringing in running backs in free agency. Um, as you remember, I did not want them to go get Le'Veon Bell. I thought that was really stupid. I think Aaron Jones is going to be much better than Bell would have been. I think Aaron Jones is one of like three or four running backs in the league I'd be willing to spend for in free agency. But they, they, they're going to bring in multiple running backs and they're going to bring in a top tier running back. Um, now, I, I would be surprised. I could be wrong. I'm, I'm not Joe Douglas. Um, but I think Harris has the chance to be a like Hall of Fame caliber running back. And I think ETN has the chance to be a Alvin Kamara type running back. Um, so I, they, just, they need an elite running back. Otherwise, the whole offensive system won't work. The whole team won't work. You, need, you just need it. You can't have crappy running backs. And then I, I would probably use all the rest of my draft picks on the offensive line. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want six or seven guys who I can rely on. Clearly they have other needs. Corner is a big need. Um, kind of the only position, like what are the positions they don't have needs at? It's like middle linebacker. Is that really it? Safety. Right. That's it. They have two nose positions tackle. they don't need to spend on. Right. No left tackle. tackle. Right. Yeah. And, and left, left that's tackle. it. Right. But oh, everything have, else you need. And players. they have a good interior and they, they don't need an interior lineman. But that's, that's really it. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I, I don't know if this is me just relying on anecdotal evidence, but 
I feel like if you don't take a edge rusher in the top 10 in the draft, they tend to not be very good. I feel like top 10 sure. edge rushers are amazing. Like even in year one, but they're not using a top 10 pick on an edge rusher. So I would go with a known quantity. And those four guys I listed are all really good. Um, I would just, I would get two of them. Like if you're, if you have a really elite offensive line and you're getting really elite pressure on the opposing QB, you have a pretty high floor and just kind of let the, the chips fall as they may. Um, but yeah, they need a running back. I, I, you know me, I'm the guy who always talks about how running backs are a dime a dozen, but given what kind of team they're going to have next year, I don't think they can afford. They have one running back, and he's not very good, Michael Perrine. Um, he didn't show a lot of signs that he'd be good. He was, a, you know, I think a fourth-round pick. Those guys tend to not hit. I mean, they can, but not consistently. There's no reason to think he's ever going to be above average. So they need probably at least two, maybe three running backs. The only thing I'd say is, I mean, and I love ATN. I, I've been on him for year, you know, years, which is not staying a lot. I mean, he played at the, you know, at Clemson, uh, where he was in high profile profile situations all the time. Uh, it does feel like there's always these like late round running backs that emerge. I mean, what was James Robinson like a seventh round pick last year? Yeah, but the Jaguars didn't know he was undrafted. And when they they signed him, they didn't realize right. that they were getting a very good running back. Like yeah. the, they can't the Jets can't F around. Right. You can't walk in with, I think, you know, yeah. Michael Preen and a fifth and sixth rounder and think that your offense is going to run. Yeah, and I they think know that they're too smart to do that. I think you've convinced me because it, it's true. It's like while these guys always do, there's always one or two of them that emerge every year. It, it's it's. It's not likely that you're going to be the team that, you know, gets lucky and has that guy that emerges, you know, that. And this stud. isn't last year's draft where there's four guys in the second and third round or right. five guys who you can come in and be starters. You think about all the got Swift and Akers and uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. There was just a ton of guys who and Dobbins who came in who were starting caliber players. You have two this year, both of which are probably first rounders. And given that there's not all these running backs behind them, they probably, I don't know if you can wait around to like 30 and take them. Um, yeah. And I think Harris is, whereas this probably would be amazing. I yeah. think, I, I think he's, I don't think he's on the board at 23, to be perfectly honest. I think he goes in the teens. Yeah. ETN might still be there though. Yeah. Some people project him at the second. I'm not the only one saying this. There's other yeah. people who are projecting the Jets with a running back. They need one. Yeah. And if you look at past drafts, you should certainly be able to get a, uh, a wide receiver that can step in and make an impact right away at 34. Yeah. If you wanted to go that route. I don't think, I don't think their offense is going to be predicated on elite Randy Moss level wide receivers. And given that Godwin and um, Robinson are off the table, I don't think you can build your offense around trying to acquire one of those guys. Kenny Galladay is good, but he's not, you know, Chris Godwin. And I, I would be hesitant to overpay for him because given that those other two guys are off the table, you might have a bidding war. And this offseason, mm-hmm. there's only a couple teams with money to spend, and you don't want to spend too much of your money on one player because you're going to be able to True. load up with guys in that 10 to 15 range um, if you're smart. So I would hate to spend like 18 on a Kenny Galladay um, when I could maybe you know get you know two edge rushers a little later on. Good point. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. You, you, you've sold me on the, uh, the running back at 23. I don't know about you. Oh, it'll be so much fun to bring in one of those two guys too. You, the, the running backs, you see them, they just play so much. Like having a good running back makes your team more watchable too. 
How much fun is how much fun do Titans fans have watching Derrick Henry every week? Yeah. I, I I worry about the bus factor. And, you know, we we got this second first round pick and uh it just it just it, it scares me. But I, I understand everything you're you know, and I, I understand and I agree with everything you're saying about, you know, having the offense run through a strong running back. I well here's the other thing. That. When was the last time a first round running back busted? Is it Leonard Fournette, who is still? I would really not call Leonard back. Fournette a bust, considering how good he was. But no, but that's probably year. go look right. through the last like, five six drafts. What? Trent Richardson. That's more than five or six. It's a different that's NFL. True. That's a long yeah. time ago. The last five or six drafts since we've stopped valuing running backs as much, guys who go in the first round tend to be really, really good. Edwards Hilaire was a bit of a disappointment last year, but he still was, was just a pretty good running him. back. Yeah. He was he a second. The end oh no, he was. Right, he was the last thirtieth first round. Yeah, right. And he seconds. he got hurt, and he was on the Chiefs, who run a weird offense. They brought in Le'Veon Bell. Um, first round running backs tend to be very, 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 very good. Second round running backs also tend to be good, but I don't think there's going to be any second round running backs this year. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I hate. Uh, I, I think running backs are overvalued. <laughs> I'm, I'm the guy making the running back case. To tell you something. Uh, I mean, if you're not going to be able, I mean, if you're not going to go out and get, uh, I mean, a lot of it will depend because, I mean, free agency happens before the draft. I mean, if the Jets go out and get uh, Aaron Jones. Yeah, uh, clearly they're not going to do that. I mean, even or if they Edwards get like a Baltimore. I mean, even if they get like a Marlon Mack, too. maybe they don't uh, go out and take, you know, use a first round uh, pick on a running back. But I was even going to say, you know, as far as like allocation Mack's of coming uh, off a really assets, bad injury. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. We just got to see he's how they a really good things. Second running back. I would. I think. I think he's a very reasonable pickup for the Jets. But he's he's not going to be the only running back they bring in. True. I mean, I guess even the Colts, the way they designed it last year, they used a, a premium pick on uh, Jonathan Taylor, and you know, at least their plan. I mean, Mac got hurt, but their plan was to have a you know two headed attack with Taylor and Mac last season. Ah, uh, that wasn't their plan. Their plan was to give it to Jonathan Taylor, which is why they took him as early as they did. What was he a second rounder? I think Jonathan Taylor. He was a second round pick. Yeah, I, think I mean, so. you know, second round running backs always start. It usually takes a week or two, but they always start. I mean, Matt clearly would have gotten carry. I mean, I'm not saying he would have gotten more than Taylor, but he clearly was going to be a part of their offense if he didn't get hurt. It's not like they were going to phase him out. There's multiple weeks he had ten catches out of the backfield. I feel like we've had so many fights about the Colts, Adam. It's so random. It is pretty <laughs> random. I know my Colts, man. Don't mess with me with the Colts. Not well enough, though. That was the only prop bet I won, though. That's true. I don't know if you realize. Okay, so side story here. So uh, a bunch of us, we do the um, the old Grantland uh, wins pool. Uh, so the way the way it works is uh, ten people go into a pool. Each per, each of the ten people get not a, a, not a pool with water. No, not a pool with water. A you know a, a clarification a, a sports a sports pool. Each person gets three teams. Of your three teams, whichever person's teams win the most games at the end of the year wins the pool, and we pay out the uh, the top two people in the pool. I don't know if you realize this, Adam, but last year you took the Colts over the Seahawks, and I thought told you I didn't think that was a good pick. You would have come in second last year if you had taken Seattle instead of Indy. Instead, I came in second. <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely note to end on. <laughs> Only Justin would know that. <laughs> well, we got Seattle had 12 wins last year and Indy had 11. Okay. I, I, 
I thought it's Seattle okay, Adam. You won. You won every other prop bet we made. It was literally the only one I won was that Seattle yeah. would have a better record than Indianapolis. <laughs> and we tied, and you still beat me because you had a better uh, point differential. Well, gentlemen, this has been a long, meandering road. I wonder if anyone's still with us, but I certainly had a good time. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on again. Thanks for bearing with me. I feel like I was all over the place tonight. (laughs) We're fine. Uh, If you don't already follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram, follow us at BornIn87Pod. And uh, very soon we will be uh, releasing the finals in our Worst Mets Moment bracket. Uh, Have a good night, everyone. Have a good night. Good night, guys. Visit twins.com.